It's exciting to be here. It's exciting to be anywhere. Uh, at the North American Veterinary Community VMX Veterinary Conference in Orlando, Florida, at the Orlando Convention Center, which is huge, and one of the 27,000, I think it is, veterinarians that are here, Dr. Mike Lappin, who, first of all, is a good friend and one of the nicest people ever, ever, ever. But he's also more important than that, I think, uh, on the One Health Committee of the World Small Animal Veterinary Association, professor at Colorado State University College of Veterinary Medicine, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Hello, Dr. Lappin. Hello, Mr. Dale. How are you today? I am. You is good. I'm good. Thank you. I want to talk about One Health and what, first of all, here's where we start. What is One Health and how does that impact anyone, anyone who's listening, no matter who you are? Explain that. Oh, I'd give it a I'd give it a go. So here's a scoop. It's really in a simplistic fashion. Basically, our interactions as two-legged animals with four-legged animals, both from the pet side and food production and the environment, because we all interact together on this small sphere floating around in the universe, and, and we need it to last as long as possible. So there are a lot of different angles within One Health, but those of us that uh, are pet owners, obviously uh, the two-legged and four-legged animal interactions as family and friends is a, a big part of One Health. You know, uh, One Health has been a buzzword, so to speak, that's been bouncing around for many years. And then COVID-19 happened. I don't want to talk about politics, about anything at all, but COVID-19 likely, or the SARS coronavirus 2, actually came from something in nature, and probably bats are a cause. Now, yes, it may have come from a lab, and yes, there's politics. I don't want to talk about any of that. I want to talk about what likely may have happened regarding COVID-19 as an example of One Health, because we are all in this together. Yeah, that's a great lead-in, Steve. Uh, If we think about uh, agents or infections, infectious agents like a virus like SARS-CoV-2 that causes COVID, in this situation, it can infect four-legged and two-legged animals, people, obviously. And so the, the fancy word for that is a zoonosis. And it's interesting because the zoonoses can go either direction, right? So if this did come from a bat, you know, then it went to a person first, and then obviously we're very susceptible hosts. Uh, But then what we've learned over the course of the pandemic, there are other species that a human can then infect. In fact, what we've learned in the last two and a half years is actually cats are one of the most next susceptible, not as susceptible as people, but then the person can infect their cat. And so that would be called a reverse zoonosis. And so that's a a great example for one health issue in the infectious category. You know, disease is shared between animals and man. And there are so many examples of this or similar examples. For instance, okay, you don't want to talk about COVID. That's fine, friends. But let me give you another example. Uh, It seems that leptospirosis, and you can talk about what that is in a moment, is increasing greatly in the United States. Uh, So here's what happens. A rat 
or another animal that's infected, but oftentimes it's city rats, friends, piddles in a puddle, and then a dog walks through that puddle that happens to not be vaccinated and then happens to have an accident in the house. And if you have a toddler that toddles, is that the correct terminology, through that and isn't properly wiped, puts hands to mouth, or even you clean up the accident that dog has and don't thoroughly wash your hands, then a person can get leptospirosis as well. Can you talk a little about this? Oh, absolutely. And that's another great example for a shared infectious agent. So it's a bacteria, and it lives in the urine and kidneys of uh, what we would call a reservoir host. And that would be a host like the rat that you mentioned. And in Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live, it's actually 30% of our raccoons. Mm. But what's so interesting about the organism is in its reservoir, it doesn't make them sick. And so even though, so they're basically carriers that it's not hurting. And then you and our dog, and, and believe it or not, some cats as well, we're a barrent or unusual host. And so if we get exposed, we often get sick. And what's really exciting about this one is that even though it's on the rise, your veterinarian can block your dog getting ill with simple vaccinations two doses up front, and then once a year after that, your dog will never catch it, which means it's unlikely that your family would ever catch it from your dog. And then your dog can't spread it to other dogs as well. But the thing, yeah, but the thing is that, I mean, you and I just spoke of two examples, but there are so many examples on the planet, and none of these examples are limited by geography Uh, either. And that brings me to the World Small Animal Veterinary Association. What is that? Yes, it's an association of associations. So most countries uh, have a big major association for the United States. As as most people probably have heard, we have the American Veterinary Medical Association. And so that's then the association from the U.S. in Wasaba. Well, Wasava has around 115 countries, so again, an association of associations. And then we can, because of that strong link with all the other countries, we actually can reach 200,000 veterinarians around the world when something new is discovered or happening in companion animal, small animal, dogs, cats, exotics. Uh, we, we can spread the word quickly around the world to help hopefully even stop things in the future. Well, and Wasava did, or the World Small Animal Veterinary Association did a great job uh, with what you could do as far as greatly education and information regarding COVID-19. We only have literally a minute left here, and I want to talk about a specific cat food having to do with cat allergies. Can you quickly explain? I can, and that is also one health issue, right? We want to keep our cats, you know, because they make us happy and healthy. So if you're allergic to your cat, there's actually a new pet food that can take the substance that's in their saliva, this allergen or this protein that makes you itch and have runny eyes, it's in their saliva. And of course, while they're eating, you know, that saliva is used to help digest and things. Well, there's a diet called Live Clear by Purina that actually inactivates that 
protein in their saliva. It doesn't hurt the cat at all. It just lessens that amount of antigen or that amount of protein that turns on your immune response. It can block that. And so just feeding a cat food can basically potentially make your family member less reactive to having that cat in the home. And that hopefully means keeping the cat. Don't yeah, so many because allergies. You might be able to. You might be able to block that reaction. It's really fantastic. Oh, it is. So many cats are either not adopted or given up because people truly are allergic to cats. And what you're allergic to, and I think what you're explaining here is you're not. It's not like the dog allergies. It's a bit different. Cats groom themselves, and then this protein called feld1 sticks to them and it's a sticky protein so it sticks everywhere so the cats either rub against your leg a chair leg whatever they do in the house and that protein becomes eventually everywhere in the house because the cat's always rubbing or the hair falls off the cat and now you've got that protein everywhere and what you're saying is you are not allergic anymore to that protein by feeding the cat a a food called live clear and that's to me incredible science isn't it Yes, and we need to make sure that your physician knows about it as well. Howard, that company's just now getting the word out to veterinarians that our physicians need to know as well. It's something that can potentially keep you from having to take drugs to control your allergies uh, to cats. So it's a really fantastic new discovery. Yeah, that's a great point. Dr. Mike Lappin, it is, you know, always great to talk to you. Uh, on the One Health Committee of the World Small Animal Veterinary Association, professor at Colorado State University College of Veterinary Medicine. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Steve.